Welcome to machine learning. K nearest. So K nearest um, can be used to classify uh, text. And um, the way to do that is, let's say you were trying to predict, uh, in the case with the UFOs, you were trying to predict um, <laughs> certain features. <laughs> say if it was triangle or a spherical, oval, rectangular, <clears throat> cylindrical. Those are, might be some different shapes, and then there could be various colors. Uh, you can convert those those features into dummies, <clears throat> so that just increases the number of columns or feature columns. Uh, and then what you can do is uh, use the TF IDF term frequency inverse document frequency, and. Uh, what that is is it uh, creates a CSR matrix, and uh, the matrix uh, has different word weightings. Uh, and so, what you can do is, for each sentence, uh, you can look to see what the maximum word weighting is, and uh, its index ID, and then use the vocabulary uh, uh, dot get to into a dictionary to get the actual word and uh, and uh, you could use that as kind of like a topic now one of the things that I noticed when you do that is it doesn't uh, remove the stop words and so I believe there's a feature where you can uh, remove the stop words uh, it seems like uh, in one of the tutorials I did there you could say stop words equals true and uh, then that would remove the stop words in the in the weightings uh, and then you can find the topic uh, based on proper nouns and so forth um, so then when I use that everything has to be numeric and I feed that in in terms of X and then I'm predicting like a binary output, let's say uh, a state, a particular state. And um, I can do that uh, either through a single label or I can do it through a multi-layer la uh, label output and then predict what uh, state that the sighting occurred. And it's interesting because the characteristics are only 57% accurate. And so that uh, uh, if you take multiple states and overlay the frequencies of different types of shapes and uh, colors, times, uh, locations, they, the times do seem to be matter. Maybe it's the uh, has to do with uh, the time of day, you know. Maybe they see something in the horizon that looks like a UFO. Maybe it could be some some way the light is hitting the cloud uh, formation, or it could be actually a phenomenon. Maybe they actually do see something cylindrical moving in the sky. And um, 
uh, you know, you wouldn't know if it was a classified or unclassified aircraft. Uh, but, it, you know, it'd be kind of strange where it just randomly uh, appears and uh, disappears. But there's definitely a higher frequency of occurrences of sightings on the West Coast than there are, are on the East Coast by far. And, uh, and so when you're looking at the kind of the, the makeup of, of um, this, this type of sightings, then you're, you're left to say, well, it could be uh, based on time of day. And the durations are various ranges of durations. I, I found that uh, in the data that some of them were less than 20 seconds, less than 10 seconds, uh, seemed to blink in, blink out. So almost as if it's uh, moving between a time-space manifold. So there's like some sort of energy acceleration that's occurring and then there's a blink out effect and then it re-emerges somewhere else uh, in time space. So interesting but then the question is is uh, you know it's kind of like uh, if you were to see this phenomena let's say if you were a bee and you were tracking bees and you were watching where they were going they would have some predictable behavior and uh, you know maybe at every certain type of a day the bees would go out and harvest for uh, nectar and so there's they're gonna emerge you know what is it about these UFO sightings uh, that have some predictable uh, behavior so they have to have some formal way of identifying the object and then looking to see if you can find that object uh, reappear in a different location or if, if it was uh, say if this was a uh, um, if we were only watching for a particular movement um, like say like an AI where it's only it's not paying attention to background movement uh, or background objects it's only paying attention to objects that are changing or moving if we were to apply that to the uh, UFO objects, would we say that uh, yeah, these are events where someone has seen some movement in three-dimensional space and they didn't identify the object and so uh, you know, the duration could have been at the point that they saw movement to the point that it uh, stopped. Or maybe the spacecraft was just sitting there hoovering in, in the cloud, you know, and uh, and uh, it was uh, like a dog. It was uh, wanting you to pay attention to it. So it, it did some sudden movement to catch your attention. And then uh, when you did pay attention to it, then uh, it just blinked out of existence or blinked into another time-space direction. Or, you know, it could be that they're just blinking into time-space consistently. You know, it's like a, maybe it's a traffic uh, cor corridor and what we're seeing is just the little flashes of, of the uh, traffic moving uh, through the corridor and different people at different times are seeing it in different locations. But you know, that's where the importance of the GPS on, on the data, and the data is actually fairly large. So 
you know, you could analyze it from uh, three-dimensional space and you could probably plot it all out in three-dimensional space and see if there's some clustering that's occurring in certain locations. Then if there is a certain location that has a high density of, uh, of uh, activity based on its uh, latitude longitude, then what you could do is uh, uh, go to those areas at the certain specific times and then look, uh, look for a phenomena that might be considered UFO and then you can have your own UFO sighting claim. And uh, uh, it just seems so interesting that this is such a high occurrence, that there are so many occurrences. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, like 12 megabytes of data, of text data, worth of descriptions and, and uh, classifications. And if the data hasn't been uh, generated by a machine, that these are actual human recorded observable events, then there should be some probability that you could you could cite them. Uh, it would be like well watching. You could you know when you if you know the right place to watch for a certain behavior, and then you're concentrating and paying attention to it, then you can sometimes see that behavior. And, uh, and it's kind of actually exciting to spot a well. Uh, I really liked it, but I had to know where to look. And once I, because it was at a certain uh, horizon point where they were swimming out there with the young ones that they had uh, they'd given birth to, and you had to be watching on that, that uh, horizon, and you would see them, uh, their spouts blow, blow. And, uh, and that would indicate that that was where the wells were. But if you were looking too close to land, then you would never see the well because they were they were a long ways out. I'd say maybe a mile or so out from the shoreline. And uh, it's probably also true of the UFO is that even though there's a, lo uh, a large number of, of recorded occurrences of these events uh, because people are not maybe watching all the time the sky and they're not watching for a particular unusual event in the sky that uh, they they probably will in their lifetime not see a UFO because I've never seen a UFO in my lifetime and I don't actually know anyone other than my father, who was seeing, uh, he saw a fireball, and he described that fireball. But uh, as far as I uh, knowing anyone who has physically seen a UFO, I don't know anyone. And so it's interesting that there could be so many occurrences, uh, and yet so very few people that you know who have actually seen a UFO. So it's almost as rare, I would say, as finding a meteorite. Now, do meteorites exist? Yes, I can go um, certain parts of Idaho and I can buy uh, uh, meteorite material and 
I do have a piece of meteorite at home. And so it is common, meteorites do fall and hit the earth. But have I ever seen a meteorite fall and hit the earth? No. But now in Russia, they saw a huge meteorite come across in Siberia and hit, impacted, uh, knocked down about 50 uh, square miles of uh, forest. The impact was tremendous. And uh, in Utah, uh, it was late at night and a meteorite came across the sky and it was so bright that it uh, lit the day up like, uh, lit the evening up by uh, noonday. It was bright, very bright. Um, and as far as I know, it did not make impact. It just burned up in the atmosphere. But it's so amazing because, you know, the meteorites coming into our atmosphere, they're traveling uh, around 100,000 miles an hour. And as soon as they hit the atmosphere, the sheer force uh, and the heat usually shatter the meteorite and it burns up before uh, impact onto the ground. But they say that the, every year about a million tons of meteorite impact the earth. So there is a lot of meteorites that are striking the earth. And so if you say, made the analogy that meteor, you know, meteorites are a lot like UFOs, uh, it would, you know, there must be, there must be some group out there that does UFO hunting, that goes out and search for these uh, events, this phenomena, and, uh, but as far as the media is concerned, I, I don't think uh, I've ever seen a TV show where they uh, will go and uh, talk to people who've seen UFOs and trying to recreate what they've seen. I mean, there was a couple of movies, sensational movies, uh, you know, like Ben in Black or uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, there's some mo movies that have been made uh, based on <coughs> extraterrestrials. But, uh, you know, these are not these are not uh, claims of seeing extraterrestrials. These are claims of just identify, unidentified uh, flying objects is what they're, they're saying they're seeing. So they have some sort of shape, some sort of uh, color, a location, a time, and uh, a duration. So, you know, looking at the data, it's, it's kind of interesting to pull that into uh, Python and, and play around with it, and do some visuals on it, and get, get an idea. By far, the most common shape is a triangle, and then the second most common shape uh, would be an old, uh, a sphere. And so the question is, is, why would a triangle be the most common shape? And uh, uh, maybe it has to do with something about the flying properties. But these objects uh, do operate on uh, fluid dynamics, 
so they fly through the air but then when you see when there are claims of uh, cylindrical objects there's no wings so that would have to be held uh, in place by some upward propulsion system jets and uh, or some way of of uh, neutralizing gravity. There's only only two ways that you can fly. Either you neutralize gravity or you have some sort of thir uh, fluid dynamic that keeps your lift greater than your weight. And so you can stay airborne. It's always interesting to think about uh, UFOs and time travel and Propulsion systems. If uh, if gravity were capable of being neutralized, uh, we could travel to work on just a few cents, maybe just enough energy to uh, propel us forward and enough energy to stop us. But uh, you know, the relatively little uh, energy to keep us going because you wouldn't have friction so without friction you would have just uh, you would have the energy to overcome with the uh, uh, wind currents so those are those are some of the things that uh, to consider Well, tomorrow we'll be we'll be uh, talking with Thom. He couldn't make it today, and uh, he's going to be talking about uh, intellectual brilliance and looking forward to his discussion on what that means. And uh, hopefully, he has some case studies where he's talking about um, intellectual brilliance and how that impacts our 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 world. And what that could mean for uh, innovation and, and uh, transformation of the human condition. If you introduce just technology to the human condition, it doesn't make you kinder. It doesn't make you wiser. Uh, however, it may make you more comfortable. And uh, there's many things that, uh, that have been innovative that are make us more comfortable and facilitate a better quality of life. One of which is cell phones. They, they can, uh, you can get lots of information from them. Uh, they can act like miniature computers and uh, they're fantastic for communicating uh, uh, data. All right. I'll talk to you soon.